0: Well, good evening. Welcome to Kesed. My name is Danny, and I am one of the pastors here, and I am so very thankful that uh, you came for this Good Friday service. Uh, I've checked in with a few people that uh, came in, and I don't know what is going on or what's in the water around here, but anybody else just have a weird week? Like it was just an, ah, uh, yeah. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, you know, it could be I could be wrong, but it could be that there's something powerful going to happen throughout all the churches in Clark County, and maybe there's, some, uh, maybe there's some spiritual work against it. Maybe there's a lot pushing against the message that we get to proclaim about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and about the way that, that he sacrificed himself for each and every person in this room. This service is, uh, is going to be different. So let me just uh, address a few of the regular things. I know some people have asked, uh, are we going to take an offering during this service? We are not going to take a past offering. We have multiple ways that you can give if you feel led during a service like this to give. They're up on the screen behind me, I think. Maybe. No? Okay. Almost. Uh, we have text to give. Yeah. We have kiosks. We have church app and all those other things. So uh, I just want to continue to thank you for your generosity and for... Uh, for being willing to be a part of that. But today's service is, is different because today's service is all about creating spaces. And it's gonna be different for a lot of us because if you showed up with sort of an angsty week like I had an angsty week, then uh, it's gonna take you a minute to get into a mindset to actually enter into uh, the space that Good Friday proclaims. And so we've created spaces all around this room right now. The first space that you're gonna experience is the space of worship. We're going to worship front to back all the way to the end throughout the service. And I want to encourage you to stay in the willingness to ask God through that experience of worship how he wants to speak to you, where he wants to minister to you. This means that you can stand up during worship, you can sit down, you can, uh, you can bend down on the floor, you can come down front, or, or you can uh, stay right where you are. But that space of worship is an important space, and we want to make sure... That uh, that you honor that, and and that you work a little bit at not working to get into that space, <laughs> that you allow yourself to just be whatever feelings you're having, and let the Holy Spirit unravel that and dismantle that as He wants. The next space we want to create in this room is a uh, the space of prayer, and so obviously right in your uh, seat you can experience prayer. You can lift up your words, but maybe you want to uh, maybe you want to be prayed for. And so down front, right down here, we have some. Folks from our prayer team, you can come right down front and uh, you, can, you can find someone that will pray with you about anything that you are dealing with or going through. You can also come forward uh, to the front of the stage if that's something that is a church tradition for you and important. You can bend down in your uh, chair where you're at right now or go to the back room. Uh, we just want to create a space for you to, to communicate with God about uh, what's going on in your world and how he wants to meet you there. And then the last one is uh, a space of communion. Uh, the sacrament of communion. And so we've created some communion spaces throughout the building today. One of them is right over here. It's where the candles are. The other one is in front of the sound booth in the back. And then if you're up in the balcony, there by the doors that you entered in, there are spaces for you to go up and take the juice that represents his blood and the bread that represents his body and take it right there or take it back to your seat. But we are not going to have an official time of communion where I tell you now is the time to go this is going to be a room full of spaces, and that includes you receiving from the Holy Spirit when you are supposed to go and remember his death. There isn't a wrong time to do it, there isn't a right time to do it, and there'll be nobody looking at you uh, because they'll be either praying or in worship or also taking communion, so you don't have to stress about that at all. So those are the three spaces that we're gonna create, a space for worship, a space for prayer, and a space for communion. And we're going to watch what God wants to do with it. Amen? <laughs> Amen. So, let us, I'm going to get us started. There are four official perspectives of Good Friday within the Gospels. Four different sets of eyes that record what happened to Jesus in response to what needed to be done in this world. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all have a different perspective when it comes to that, but we know that there are innumerable other perspectives, other people that were in the city that followed Jesus into the city after the resurrection of Lazarus, or met Jesus in the city because they were already there to celebrate the tradition of the Passover. Thousands upon thousands of people watched Jesus suffer from their own perspective. And for 2,000 years, theologians, Historians, worshipers, and critics have all judged whether that was important or not. Today, within the space that you are going to create around you, you need to be willing to ask the question, what does this perspective of Good Friday mean to you? What effect does it have upon you? How do you see it? Is it something that you've always done because you grew up in a church home? Or maybe for some of you, this is brand new because you know that Kesed is a place for the spiritually curious and you heard about this thing called Good Friday and you need good things in your life, as one man told me, and so you showed up. I don't know your perspective of Good Friday. I don't know your expectations. What I do know is that it is very human of you and of me to have a perspective and not let a preacher or an author, or anybody else change it, but to really experience the cross from wherever you're at. And so that's exactly what we're gonna do today. We're gonna ask ourselves, what is our perspective of this cross and what it means for us? And then we're gonna worship, and then we're gonna pray And then we're gonna hear about another perspective and then we're gonna worship and then we're gonna pray and then maybe we'll take communion if you feel led and then we're gonna worship and we're gonna pray and we're gonna hear about another perspective. And so we are gonna stir this room top to bottom and throw away everything that we expect in exchange for what it is that Jesus has for you. And it could be the quietest whisper. It could be the simplest of words. It could be peace or joy or encouragement or stop or begin, or I see you, or I love you, or I am here. And inside the prayer and inside the worship and inside the communion, my hope is that you don't leave blessed by a a church service, that you leave blessed by a living God and that it matters to you different than it ever has before. The text I'm gonna read The Good Friday story, if you will, is out of John. It's John chapter 19, and I'm going to put the verses on the screen. I'm just going to read this over you to prepare us for whatever it is the Holy Spirit wants to do within our stories. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came to him saying, hail, king of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, see, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and crucify him for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, we have a law and according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the son of God. And when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement and in Aramaic Gabatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, behold your king. They cried out away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus. Many of the Jews read the inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am king of the Jews. But Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and that once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloth with the spices as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Heavenly Father, as we sit in this space with you right now, as we allow what it is you went through for us to, to push out any distraction, to remove anything that might keep us from, from not being focused upon you, from not being where and how you want us to be, May we just be authentic about what it feels like. May we be authentic about what it means. Or for some of us, God, because we've been so consumed by this world and its worries, what it doesn't mean. My prayer is, Lord, that you would allow in this room us to be honest about the impact and the perspective we have on the sacrifice you've made for us. I'm so thankful that you're willing to sit with us wherever we are, distracted, nonchalant, cavalier, prideful, humble, broken, thankful, grateful, wherever we are, God, I am thankful that we can sit in this space and receive from you, anyways. For you are a God who loves. You are a God who, who meets, who seeks, who finds. And so we just surrender these next moments to you as you work upon our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Are you hurting? No, Pray, Overwhelmed pray. by the weight of sin, Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the world? Well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to. The altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness, it was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait, because Jesus is calling Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy.
2: I have been, not been following Jesus for a very long time. I, I, I'm a, a relatively new follower of Jesus, and I don't know where uh, all of you are in your life. As Danny had said, we all come with a different perspective. But in the few years that I've, I have chosen to follow Jesus, the one thing I've noticed about Good Friday is that, that it feels like an oxymoron. This day feels somber. It, it feels tragic. and and maybe rightfully so to a degree. But if if today it truly is the biggest injustice in history that love personified is killed, that should be tragic. But I I wanna ask you that maybe it's tragic, but it's not a tragedy. That today is not a tragedy and that's why we're here. Because as tragic and heartbreaking this is, it's not a tragedy. And a perspective I want to bring today is this idea that Jesus is not a victim, but he's the victor. That what happened to Jesus is heart-wrenching, devastating, brutal, but he's not the victim. He's the victor. And, And to show you what I mean, Uh, As Danny had mentioned, there are four different eyewitness accounts of the the crucifixion of Jesus. And each of them choose to use this very special word. The Greek word is parodidemi. And in each of these encounters, you read that Jesus is delivered, is what that word means, or handed over or betrayed. And you read throughout the story that first Jesus is betrayed or handed over by Judas to the temple guards. And then that, that they hand him over to Annas for this illegal trial. And they beat him, punch him, and falsely imprison him. And then you read that he is handed over again to Pilate, who then hands him over to a corrupt politician in Herod. And the entire time as you're reading this, you're like, Jesus feels like he's a, a leaf in the wind, just getting blown along by this horrifyingly unjust circumstance. And then Pilate, same exact word, hands him over to be flogged. The most brutal torture that can happen before you're killed. And again, Jesus, if we believe he says who he is, that if he wanted to, he could call legions and legions of angels to rescue him. And he doesn't, he doesn't. And so the only options are that he's either A, a liar or B, there must be a reason he's not. And after all of this, you're asking Jesus, why aren't you stopping this? And the reason why is because this is not a tragedy. This is a victory. Afterwards, Pontius Pilate hands Jesus, that same word, parodidum, hands him over to the Roman soldiers to crucify him. And as Jesus hangs suffocating on that cross, being mocked, ridiculed, abandoned, it feels like it's a tragedy. And we read in John 19, after this, Jesus knowing that all was now finished said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. The irony being the the well that doesn't run dry, the river of life has given water to everyone else that he's thirsty and a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch, held it to his mouth. And when Jesus received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And then after this, and this is the killer. This is amazing. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Same exact word, paradidomi. delivered his spirit, he handed his spirit over. So all of these folks may have beaten, tortured, ridiculed, mocked him, and as tragic as that is, ultimately Jesus is the one who said, I lay my life down. And he could have stopped it like that, but he doesn't. And so we just have to ask why? And it's for you and it's for me. It was for us. And he looks at us as he hangs on that cross and he says, it's worth it, so worth it. And so as he hangs there and he says, I'm delivering my spirit, I'm the one choosing to do this. The answer to the question of why he doesn't call down those angels is because he's doing it for us. And that this isn't where love is defeated. This gets to be the greatest act of love in the history of, this, of all of creation, of this universe. This single moment 2,000 years ago was where love was triumphant. And so the perspective I want to bring here is we can sit in that victory and celebrate it together. Father, thank you. Jesus, that as you hung on that cross, you had every reason to call down millions upon millions of angels to rescue you, and you didn't. And I thank you that as you hung on that cross, I think that every person who has ever existed or ever will exist, their face flashed in your mind. And as you hung there, I think you saw each of our faces and you said it was worth it because you love us. And I thank you that there is nothing more for heaven to give. You can't give us anymore. You gave us yourself. And so I pray in this Lord today will be not uh, just somber for somber sake, but rather we would be somber because this act of love is so overwhelming. And may we worship you for that in Jesus name.
1: love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son to make a righteous trail. my sin my cross my shame rising again I bless your name you are my all
3: Mark and Luke all record Jesus instituting what we've come to know as the sacrament of Holy Communion in just a few verses John doesn't even mention it but what John does is something incredibly different and it took me 47 years to find out why I accepted Christ when I was 17 and it wasn't till I was 64 that I came to learn with those chapters in John from 13 to seventeen, what happened after communion meant. John records what the other three gospels didn't. He records the purposeness of Jesus sharing with the disciples something he really wanted them to get, really wanted them to understand, and what he did is he said it several different ways. And he even gave him an object lesson to watch. John records Jesus right after supper. And that's all he said is after supper. Not communion, just after supper, Jesus tied a towel around his waist. And he did something that the disciples had no idea he would do and had a difficult time taking in to begin with. He washed their feet. And he showed them what servant love was. he knew they didn't get it because he said what I'm doing now you don't even understand but you will soon enough and then over the course of the next few chapters he said in different ways love one another." the glory that I've shared with the Father that he has shared with me I've shared with you and John goes on to record time after time Jesus telling the disciples I have consumed you in my love for three years, I have walked with you, I have taught you, you watch watched me perform miracles, I've shared meals with you, and I have absolutely consumed you in my heart. Only in me you can bear fruit. And Jesus said, Abide in me. Because he didn't want it to be a casual thing, he wanted it to be a life thing, sustaining life every day, moment by moment. someone who had a difficult time understanding that performance and love were not tied together, who spent his whole life earning his parents' love and earning recognition in his jobs and doing his best to make other people like him by what he did. Christ saying, abide in me and surrender to me and allow me to give you life was a hard lesson to, for me to learn. I didn't know how to let go. I didn't know how to surrender anything. I had a said faith, but not one that I possessed. I had no idea what grace meant. I had no idea what abiding meant. To me, that was an, an old-fashioned term that I had no idea what it meant until I started asking myself, why did John spend so much time talking about and recording and writing the things he did? And he did it for one simple reason, that we would understand what it means to live in Christ. Christ consumed the disciples in love. And then he asked them, I want you to consume me through communion. My body, the blood of the new covenant, consume me. Enter into this abiding relationship that we have. Let go of all that performance. Let go of all the striving, all the working. Let go. The message Bible records the passage. We know it is Christ saying, Take my yoke upon you, for it is light and easy. The message says it differently. It says, Jesus says to us, Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it, and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Abiding with Jesus is communion it is entering in and consuming him his presence and allowing him to consume us in a moment by moment communion of presence it is the surrender that is victory he taught me how to let go of trying to earn love he taught me how to release my grip on believing that I had to perform to get God to notice me and what he gave to me was the concept and the fullness of abiding, surrendering, submitting to a will that was perfect, to shelter that was way better than any home I ever known, to a love that was fulfilling and joyful abiding in me. Consume me as I've consumed you in my love. I don't know how to thank you, Jesus. I don't know how to express a heart that conveys all that you mean to me. But I know what it now means to be loved. Purely because I was created to be loved. And all my performance, all the train wreck of my life, all the mistakes I make every day stand over here. And Jesus communes with me in presence as I abide in him, living, breathing communion. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus we don't let go of things very easy it's built into us to perform and to strive and to work and it's not easy to lay things down it's not easy to grasp the idea of surrender and submission to you to abide in you and to let you take over to let you love to let you strengthen and give insight in your wisdom and everything that you share with us. But as we abide in you, you show us lovingly, tenderly, compassionately what it means to receive the Father's love. And you ever so gently release our grip on performance enter into the communion of abiding with you in your presence of showing us that if you let go and your hands are free you can hold on to me even more tightly and Jesus that's what we want to hold on you so tightly that all we feel is your heartbeat thank you for that love Lord Jesus, thank you for the invitation to abide. Thank you for moment by moment communion with you. As we pray in your name, amen. In the
1: crushing, in the pressing, you are making a new wine In the soil I will surrender You are breaking new ground In the crushing In the pressing You are making new wine. In the soil I now surrender. You are breaking new ground. So I make me an offering oh, make me whatever you want me to be god i came here with nothing but all you have given me jesus bring new life crushing in the pressing you are making new wine in the soul in now surrender you are breaking new ground yes you are who oh, you are breaking vessel and make me an offering oh make me whatever you want me to be god i came here with nothing but all you have given me oh jesus bring new wine out of me oh jesus oh jesus bring God I came here with nothing but all you have given me. Oh Jesus bring new wine out of me. Oh Jesus bring During this next song, I want to encourage you, if you have not already, to come up and receive prayer or go to the communion tables or continue to stand or sit in worship. We just want to encourage you guys to let the Holy Spirit lead you and move you in this place tonight. I hear the Savior say Thy strength indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray find in me thine all in all Oh, Jesus paid it all and my lips shall still repeat cause Jesus paid it all
4: Jesus just before he breathed his last. He cried out with a loud voice. Now understanding all that Jesus had been through and endured, anything would have been appropriate to shout. Yet the book of John fills in the blank as to what was shared. Jesus on the cross pushed himself up one last time. Held there by the nails, he pushed himself up, filled his lungs, and shouted for the entire world to hear, it is finished. And the scriptures tell us that he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It is finished. What a seemingly strange word to share at this moment unless you understand that this gruesome picture was part of the plan all along. Though sin had marred humanity and we had participated in creating a fractured world and bondage was our reality. This God put on flesh and climbed into the mess to reverse the curse and to set the captives free, to set us free. It is finished. This is not a shout of weariness, but a shout of victory. Jesus did not wait for Easter to begin to proclaim our victory because his victory over death is our victory. Though we celebrate Good Friday today, we do not have to wait until Easter to live in that victory because it is finished. The old ways are finished and they are no longer enslaving us. A fresh wind is here and with it comes freedom. It is finished. Freedom is for now because forgiveness is now. No further sacrifice need be made. It has been made through Jesus Christ. And because of that, we can live in freedom. So when the enemy brings condemnation, try as he may to force the children of God to live under guilt and shame. We share in Jesus's cry shouting, it is finished. And though shame wants to put you in a place to hide, we do not stay there because it is is finished. We join in the cry saying, it is finished. We live as people proclaiming, it is finished. Because it is, we don't stay there. We live in victory. Our enemy would want nothing more than for us to stay in hiding. So many times myself, and I know many of us, we wait for another signal for us to come out into freedom. Friends, it has been shared, it has been done. It is freedom. It's finished and we are to live in this freedom, friends. We're not waiting for another sign, it is here. It was shared 2,000 years ago. Live in it now. I'm gonna ask, right? Nobody else got to do this, but I'm gonna ask for you to stand with me right now and I'm gonna pray for us. We don't have to wait for Easter Sunday to begin the victory cry. Heavenly Father, I pray for us. I pray that we are people proclaiming that it is finished. We're not waiting for another sign. We see the one that you offered on the cross and we see love came down. And the greatest act of love and victory Jesus, in His last breath, said, "It is finished." And so now we live no longer as slaves, but people of freedom. May the victory cry begin tonight. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Let's
1: sing this last song again. I've del-
0: Somebody who's, who's who's meeting Jesus today. Yeah. And so, Lord, we thank you for the cross, yeah. a father laying down his son.
1: Yeah. Here we go. Ready?
0: Just receive these words from her. Thank you, for the cross. you can just thank him for the cross.
1: A father down
0: just bow your eyes. Listen to the words
1: that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting love.
0: say it again, Lord. We thank you.
1: Oh, we thank you for the cross. The Father laying down his love. it one
0: more time. Lord we thank you for the cross. Sing it out. Oh we thank you for the cross. Just make it your prayer.
1: shall not perish but have everlasting love we will not we will not perish in your everlasting love
0: heavenly father we just lift this time to you we thank you for meeting us in this place for being our overcomer for being the one who proclaims we are no longer slaves We are grateful to you. We lift this time, and we know, God, that Sunday is coming. So we thank you for the power. We thank you for the healing. We thank you for the receiving, for the provision, for the conviction, for the love. We praise you, and all of God's people say, "Amen, amen." Can we just give Him praise? God bless you guys. Uh, Remember, we have an Easter service tomorrow night if you can make it, and then two on Sunday morning. We'll see you then.